that's what two and a half hours we can i'm sure we can do this in two and a half hours yeah i'm, I'm hoping i only have 20 percent more words compared to last time oh man uh, and i have a lot less interesting political things to say about this movie <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's kind of the point that I'm gonna. That's the point that I. It's the first thing that I want to talk about the movie before we get into But first, we should intro the show, and we should intro our guest. I, I guess we should do that. I guess that's a thing we should do. We're kind of just bullshitting. Um, I, I was just gonna say last point. I'm out as a system quid, like on the show, so don't even fucking worry about it. No sick. Yeah. <laughs> So, this is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. Today we are covering the second Bleach movie. Uh, I am your co-host, Lily. And I'm your co-host, Sam. And we've got a guest. Hi. Quinn. I'm Quinn. We've, we've done it. Uh, we, we have acquired the same guest twice in a row, which means we, you know, we're the real deal. We've made it as a podcast. We were able to organize not one, but two guest episodes. That yeah. means the first one wasn't a fluke. You've got a friend of the show now. We have a friend of the show, which means, like I said, we're a real podcast now. It only took us, like, what, 80 episodes to get here? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, we, we, we have to talk about this movie. Like, I, I feel like no amount of bullshit is gonna stop us from having to talk about this movie. Yeah, we are going to have to talk about this movie. I just want to delay again a little bit. <laughs> we said we finally had a friend of the show. I think it's important to say we do have Lynn, the, podca- the podcast ghost. This is true. Lynn, was our- Lynn is and was a friend of the show and I believe remains friend of the show. So just mm. not mm-hmm. trying to exclude Lynn. <laughs> yes, 100%. For sure, I am sure. with you. Right, so this movie, opinions of the movie. It was bad. Podcast end. Let's go. Well, yeah, you keep saying we have to talk about this movie. It's funny because I just, I feel like there's almost nothing to say. There's, like, technically there is, but um, this movie just sort of slid off my whole brain. Every time, like, I tried to watch it, um... It was as though it was just like water and oil. Like they they couldn't come together for some reason. This movie was just very strange, and I was so disappointed in the quality of the animation. That that's fair, uh, Sam. How both of you? How many sittings did it take you to get through this movie? Three, two. Well, two and a half. It took me three. It took me also three. <laughs> I, I, I watched the first, like, 30 minutes of it, and I I was like, I am not strong enough for this right now. And then I uh, ended up doing a bunch of chores, and then I was like, okay, well, I guess I have to finish watching this movie. And then I watched it for, like, 10 more minutes, and I was like, god damn it. And then I had to watch <laughs> the rest of it. <laughs> My answer is it depends on how you define a sitting. So... On Friday, I watched this, and we're recording on Sunday. I didn't really have anything going on on Friday. My schedule was clear. I did, like, my little morning routine. I took my gay little walk. I took my gay little shower. (laughs) Um, 
I sit down and I'm like, you know what? It's nice out. It's like 9.30. Let's just do this so that I have it out of the way. I'm in like a good headspace. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to really try to like hold my full attention on this thing today. I'm going to just like really try to be with it. I'm going to move my laptop out of reach, keep my phone out of reach, like try to avoid letting like those ADHD uh, like distractions get too intense so that I, I lose track of what's happening. Um, and pretty immediately I realized that's a bad idea. Um, and I get maybe 30 or 40 minutes in and on Friday, my wife works from home. So, um, <laughs> they had a couple questions. Like we had a couple things that came up and, I'm going to say, again, this is where it depends on, like, what a sitting counts as, right? Because it takes about, like, an hour, an hour and a half to get through, like, the next 15 minutes of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Combination of, like, being in conversation uh, with, with my wife and the interminable pace of the movie itself. Um, and so I'm watching it in like 30 second, one minute long chunks. Um, <laughs> and then I break through on the back end and it's like, okay, here's just a big fight. And then with every to, character ever, I had to pause and then actually like rewind at the very end of the fight because I got so distracted that I didn't see how it actually finished. I was like, hold on, wait, what happened here? Wait, they just said it's done. They like Everyone starts clapping, going like, and the fight is won. And I'm like, wait, hold on, what? That happened so fast. I looked away for two seconds. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's very abrupt. And my initial thoughts on the movie are, I mostly liked it. I mostly enjoyed it, but a lot of it was like, I feel like I'm watching some good Naruto fighting, or some at least adequate Naruto fighting. What's and that's kind of where I was going at it from the movie, because that's most mm-hmm. of the movie. Wasn't that how you kind of felt about the first one with the fighting? Was that it was more like Naruto fighting? I feel like one of us mentioned that. I swear they keep bringing in the the Naruto animators or something for these movies. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it they're, just, it, they're both Piero projects, right? Yes. Yeah, like, it makes sense if your studio's making a movie then you're gonna bring in like whoever you've got that's most senior on all your projects or whatever um and also the the other thing like compared to the first movie there's a lot of shots in here that i'm like oh this looks really good or i really like how this scene's pacing goes or whatever but as far as the actual like content of the movie there's almost nothing to talk about (laughs) like there's the events that happen and there's like a a little bit of, of things that are, are going on that are, like, interesting. But almost the entire movie is more like, here's just, like, this fun little story starring Hitsugaya, and here's a couple of fun fights, and that's kind of it. There's not much, like, meat on this bone. It's also really weird because, uh, like, it does introduce, like, sort of a central lore question. Yes. Uh <laughs> And I'm like, huh. it does not bother to answer in the slightest. I, That's I, the I, thing, I, right? I'm like, hold on. I thought that I understood how all this stuff worked. And then the movie looks at you and goes, don't worry about it. They have to fight. Because <laughs> um, like, I was like, did I miss 
did I miss the answer? Did I just lose the answer? Or did they not provide one for me at all? I also wondered this, so I'm glad I'm not alone. I feel like we should at this point probably hop into the summary. I I also want to thank Sam again for doing the notes again this time, because I was planning on doing it myself be, to make up for not doing it the first movie, because I also had to ask him to do it the first movie, and he was like, yeah, sure. Uh, but literally this whole, like, because this is probably not already on the podcast. Uh, basically, my apartments decide to do this annual inspection that they have never done before. Uh, so I have to scramble to clean everything and was not able to really take notes because that would have extended my watch time to like three or four hours. So I, Sam, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing this again. I will do my best to get the notes done for the third movie, unless for some reason you're like, no, I'm in this now. I, I want to do the notes. <laughs> I mean, the difference is when you don't take notes for an episode, you have the wiki summary opened up next to you. That's true. And you're reading through the wiki summary. When I'm not taking notes for the episode, I am still writing down full notes for the episode. <laughs> That's true. That is true. On the off chance that for some reason... Uh, like the wiki page just doesn't basically I want to make sure that the things that I l think of when I'm looking at the episode that I have all those notes down anyway so that if I'm just going off the wiki I'm just not going to remember a bunch of stuff mm. or a bunch of jokes that I think up and I'm like haha I am the king of comedy and my humor must be disseminated to all of our listeners uh, <laughs> so I have to make sure that all my jokes make it <laughs> taking notes is the only way to do that that's um, fair. That's fair. So I read the, you know, I'm I read the movie summary regardless. Uh, but when it comes to this movie, maybe I should have done more like my metabot summaries, which are a lot sparser. It is possible. It's possible. Shall we uh get right into it? All right. So, let's get into it with The Diamond Dust Rebellion, Bleach Movie 2. The movie opens up on a shot of a cloud flying over farmlands, inside of which is an entire like Imperial procession? It, like, there's musicians, there's palin there's multiple palanquins, there's muscular dudes carrying the palanquins, like, and on the ground there's just a bunch of Shinigami, including Rangiku, who are just looking up at the clouds, and they're like, they exposit, they, they let us know that they're added security for the transportation of the King's Seal, capital K, capital S, something so secretive, it is illegal for anyone not of royal blood to look at it, or even know what it can do. Okay, question, Sam. Uh, yes. Were you watching the sub? Yes. Okay. Okay, one of us did. Both Quinn and I ended up watching the dub of this movie, um, and it is worth saying that I'm guessing in the sub, it straight up says King's Seal. Is that yes? Okay. In the dub, they explicitly refer to it as the Owen. Uh, and God damn it! And I literally, <laughs> <laughs> literally, because I could not get subtitles to work for the movie at all. Oh my god! Yeah, mm. like I, I could not get subtitles. I was like, "What the fuck are they saying?" I had to look it up because I could not tell if they were saying the Owen, as in like. O-I-N, or the owing, like O-W-I-N-G, and I'm like, what the fuck are they saying? I can't process this. The apostrophe like O-W-E-E-N. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is O, it, it's like a long O syllable. Yes. Uh, and then I-N. 
So it, it is the Oin. <laughs> yeah, so as it's the king's seal as in it is literally it the shape of it we see it at the, at the end it's a stamp. Yes. Right. Like it's the, it's a stamp that the king can use to like stamp documents and shit although you know it's got magic powers and bullshit. Um but yeah, I wonder if this might be why I I was going through the thing and I'm like, "Oh yeah, everything makes sense." Like, thank you fan summers for like giving me this uh this uh, <laughs> these like good descriptions and translations. And then in the dub it's just like Blurred, blurred, blurred. It's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, no, they love the Oin. Um, <laughs> I also had problems with the subtitles for my version of the movie that I watched. Because I, I rented mm-hmm. this bad boy off of Amazon.com. I had to give Mr. Bezos my money. Because um, it was that or rented on Google, or er, rented on YouTube. And somehow that on a TV is slightly worse. Um, anyway, all of the subtitles, I don't know if this was your experience, Lily, but it was like, I would get the lines of dialogue like three or four seconds before any character would say it. Oh, no. (laughs) Um, my problem was that I, I initially tried to watch it with the, um, I, I will not specify how I acquired this movie. Oh, for sure. Uh, you don't have to. <laughs> how, however, um, my, my experience was I, I, I booted up Plex, you know, as you do. Um, and I turned on the Japanese audio because I'm like, okay, I want to hear my, uh, I want to hear Romy Park playing Hitsugaya. I want to hear that. Um, and it, it ended up being the experience of, uh, <laughs> Hold on, my dog is once again going insane. Diva, you gotta calm down, babe. Um, it, I ended up having the experience of starting the movie and being like, alright, I have subtitles set to English, let's go. And then Rangiku starts talking in this opening scene, and there are no subtitles. And I'm like, okay, so is this just for, like, signs and shit? So I go to the handy-dandy subtitle finder in Plex, and it finds me one from Open Subtitles. And suddenly I cannot watch the movie. Uh, it would not let me watch the movie. Oh my god. Um, I double checked to make sure the desktop was like running so that, you know, the Plex Media server was active. That was fine. It just would not load the movie. Uh, so I, I end up uh, turning the subtitles off and then the movie runs fine. I'm like, okay. So I just switched the audio to English, and that was the only subtitle fi- file that, like, the subtitle finder could find. So I was just like, okay, cool, I guess I'm just stuck watching the dub with no subtitles. Good Oof. lord. See, I just, I'm using this version because for movie one, I had that whole thing where I was like, I tried to, I, I legally purchased a version of the movie, and then that movie just didn't have subtitles at all. I w- it was like you're listening in English, or, or, and that's it. And I decided I didn't want to do that, so I acquired this version, totally legally, fell off a truck. Um, and then this this version that I, of this movie that I'm watching, I downloaded at the same time, acquired off a truck. Thank goodness. <laughs> at the same time. Thank goodness mm-hmm. for as, all as, these trucks carrying bleach Blu-rays. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they're vintage now. Yeah. <laughs> they're over. They're 15 years old. God, a relic. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Old enough to be in high school. Oh, God. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> yeah. 
it's definitely weird. Uh, I do think, though, that this, this like, cloud procession thing is kind of a cool image. It works. It's nifty. Yeah, I like it. It is really cool. I'm also just a huge fan of the Shinigami on the ground just being, like, this is supposed to be top secret. They asked us for extra, like, security. Look at these assholes just being the most fucking obvious. Like, look at <laughs> who would not notice this? Right. Yeah, it's uh, supposed to be stealthy, and they're out here carrying, like, these big staffs with bells or some shit. Like, guys. Yeah, well, I think it's it's a lot, it's all very, like, Shinto, like, religious, um, mm-hmm. like, procession. Yeah. So, because, like, so, like, every single one of these is, like, a priest or a maiden, and, you know, they're doing the sound for, like, religious uh, magic. But I, it is very conspicuous. I, I, I get that they're trying to evoke this but with them trying to evoke this religion my question becomes are the shinigami religious and then it just kind of spirals from there but it does look very cool yeah mm-hmm. um at this point rangiku makes her report to hitsugaya and it, as soon as she does there's just a big flash of light that attacks the palanquin and, and the procession the light splits up, forms into two girls, who I will be calling the red-blue girls for this entire movie, because as far as I'm aware, they don't have a name, or at least they don't have one that's in the movie. They do have I... names. <laughs> Their names- Do they have names that show up in the movie? They don't show up in the movie, but in in the wiki article on Bleach, uh, on bleach.fandom.com, they are called <laughs> Ying and Yang- which is the dumbest shit hitting me. I refuse. I, I <laughs> <laughs> it is it's so bad. Dubious. <laughs> Pressing X to doubt so hard I break my controller. <laughs> no, it says this on bleach.fandom.com and also in the Wikipedia article because this is one of the first questions I had about this movie was what the fuck are these girls names? Oh my god. Good lord. I'm sure that, actually yeah, I'm sure we could look at the credits and they would either they do have speaking roles but they will remain the red blue girls for most of this summary that's fair fair. that's all they need to be that's truly all that they are (laughs) yeah like they're they're almost you know they have slightly different hairstyles but one's mostly red one's mostly blue they have like sword hilts stuck to the back of their heads uh (laughs) or like i guess it's it's supposed to be like a hair ornament or something but they can like pull little swords out of it and then it is worth stating that they look like a wrong car and in in the movie bleach i almost said bleachigo ichigo literally says they looked like either a wrong cars or visards and then the movie never explains which of the two they are (laughs) yeah the movie doesn't explain if they're one or the other it doesn't explain if there's something new the movie is just not interested if there's one thing that this movie doesn't care about it's explaining anything (laughs) yes this is true. Um, so the light forms into two girls. One wields lightning and is like facing off the Rangiku, and the other is like wielding a bunch of flames, and she clashes with Hitsugaya. Uh, within mo- like instantly, both of them leave, and Hitsugaya explores the palanquin, getting to a six or you know six horse fight against a masked guy who gets away. And when I say like he gets into a fight, I mean it's like here's ten seconds of like. Just the fun, like, Naruto-ass sword fight, and then it's done and it's over, and Hitsugaya runs after him. End of scene. Like, most of the fights in mm-hmm. this in this movie only last for ten seconds or less. <laughs> yep. It's true. 
uh, I do want to say though that the the combo of powers, like having the like the red blue dichotomy, you know, <laughs> and then having it be lightning and fire, is cool. I think that it it ties into like Japanese Shinto like or Shinto Buddhist syncretic religious iconography. Um, mm-hmm. you know, with the red oni, blue oni stuff, and sometimes, like, they're wielding those. But also, a lot of times you see, like, a red-coated guy and a blue-coated guy, and it's like, oh, it's water and fire, or it's fire and ice. And so it was cool having the lightning present, because it's like, ha-ha, yeah. yeah. And, uh, this is going to be the last time I mention it, but I like this, something that shows up in a lot of the fights in this movie, it's just, like, little teeny fun details that they tend to ignore completely in the anime stuff like when hitsugaya's sword fights against the red girl there is a bunch of steam coming off of it because he's blocking fire with an ice sword um when the lightning girl shoots an electrical line around matsumoto's sword uh, she turns it into ash because that's her power and then you know blocks the attack that way just fun little little bits little little fan service bits that's like oh i recognize that power good on you yeah Mm -hmm. for sure we cut to ichigo in soul reaper form just jumping through the sky for reasons unknown (laughs) (laughs) and then he lands in a sparsely forested area and he finds an invisible wall just like a barrier he's like oh i felt i felt something in this direction i came to check it out and there's just this invisible wall. He cuts a door into it, and then he finds a whole bunch of dead bodies and is immediately surrounded by punishment core ninjas <laughs> uh, who are all clearly about to attack him. When Soifan shows up and says, excuse me, this is an active investigation. There was a barrier and everything. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Acting as though Ichigo knows any of this. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, like, Ichigo just completely ignores her question and he asks what's up. And so Ifan's like, well, normally I wouldn't even talk to you, you stupid substitute Shinigami. It's like, then how do you expect him to know anything? Yeah, look, I, okay, I, I think Soifon's characterization in this entire movie sucks so bad. <laughs> I hate her in this movie. Like, I love Soifon. I think she's one of the coolest captains. I hate her in this movie so much. <laughs> I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, this movie just it, it completely ignores one of her two character traits, and then it just goes all in on the other one. Yes. Because Soifan has two character traits. Madly in love with Yoroichi, and is the ultimate cop. This is true. Yes. This is true. Uh, she, like, she just has no other character, as far as, as far as the series is concerned, at least so far. Mm-hmm. And this movie is just like, okay, well... We we have her fighting with Yoroichi later, so that's that's box one ticked. So box two is just being the most cop a cop could be. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. At this point, you know, we cut away for like two seconds to to just show Uryu like landing in the woods. Soifan's subordinates talk to her and she does some ninja seals, which breaks the barrier around the place. It's It's a really fun effect because it shows like the screen breaking into various fragments of glass. And Ichigo, who is on screen, just stays at the same place, but everything around him just changes to be the forest. Now, unfortunately, the movie doesn't explain, did she kick Ichigo out of the barrier, or did she teleport everyone inside the barrier to a different place? (laughs) It doesn't- it has no interest in explaining this or anything, as we have been over. (laughs) Yeah, at this point, Uryu shows up, and- 
Ichigo who like Soifan told something to Ichigo off screen and Ichigo tells Uryu off screen. Uh, <laughs> it's like come on movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, my favorite part about Uryu showing up is that he's like, wow, I already knew about this barrier since yesterday. So, like, why are you here? <laughs> yeah, he's just like, oh, yeah, I just, you know, I had to wait until I had time off to go visit it, I guess. <laughs> it's also funny oh, is... for me in that when he shows up this early in the movie, especially compared to the last movie, I'm like, oh, so he's going <clears> to <throat> be in this one. Technically. Technically. Yes. Again, <laughs> technically. About as much as he was in the last movie. <laughs> Don't worry, they he... also forgot to hire Chad's voice actor. No, Chad has a line yeah, he does. in this movie. A single line. Which, granted, could have been recorded prior. This is true. Uh, it, it's a generic uh, voice line, it's very funny. Yes. <laughs> um, at wow, this point, his one line uh, was moon prism power makeup. <laughs> Note to self: New commission idea. Oh no! <laughs> uh, but yeah, so at this point, Uryu and Ichigo both like turn to their side, and ten feet from them is Hitsugaya, who's like struggling to walk, and he's bleeding, and you know, there's there's a little bit of like snow crystals in the air, um, and he he's holding on to the cloak that he grabbed from the masked the masked person earlier at first i was going to excise all mention of this cloak from my summary but then it becomes like somewhat thematically important (laughs) so i figure i'll keep i'll keep those bits in yeah he he is wandering around in like his little wanderer's cloak for a lot of this movie yeah uh, back in Soul Society, the remaining captains and Rangiku are in a meeting with Yamamoto, and Soifan says that, okay, so here's the deal. One, the King Seal was stolen. You know, probably by the people who attacked us, but we're not sure. And two, Hitsugaya has sealed away his Ryatsu and left his duties. <laughs> and Yamamoto just is like, well, that's more than enough for me to be the worst man in the world again that, and put all of Squad 10 under house arrest. That, also, in case our investigation bears fruit, prepare yourselves for your squad to be fucking disbanded. I, it is at this point that I texted Quinn and I said, oh no, this movie is dumb. <laughs> yeah. Like, are you kidding me? They. <laughs> Yamamoto is on one in this movie in general. He's just like it they need a guy who's mad with power and he'll just be like pew pew pew. That's pretty much the only sound he makes in the movie. <laughs> There's no keto cannon. No. It's been at least 3 months since I haven't abused my authority. Oh, <laughs> uh, squad 10, you're on the fucking lockdown, okay? <laughs> He's like, what, we're going to be in a movie? He's a guy you turned in your badge. Yeah, you little worm. You turned off your key, though, your Reiatsu is sealed? I don't think so. I I just can't get over the fact that he's straight up like, all right, well, that's enough for me. All right, Squad 10, get your shit together. You're on house arrest. And also, you're probably going to be disbanded because your captain did some shit. <laughs> it's- and Rocky Q even tries she's like it, 
the squad didn't do anything. It, at the very least, I'm the only per- like as the vice captain, I'm the person in charge of the rest of the squad because the captain's absent. I should be the person being punished if anything happens, right? Like, which is a reasonable thing yeah. to say, I think, in this situation. And Yamamoto's like, no, fuck you. He has the energy to me of a middle school teacher who's had enough. <laughs> Like, I feel like we missed several instances of, like, one or two guys from Squad 10 goofing around in class, and he's (laughs) done. He's done. He's like, all of you fuckers are gonna pay. You're gonna shape up, or it's over. I will disband you. I will send you all to the principal's office, and I'm the principal. Those students who were messing around were all Rangiku. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) My favorite part of this of this like concept is the fact that in the series proper, we have seen that Squad Ten frequently takes up the responsibilities of other squads when they aren't there. Yep. <laughs> like they're maybe the most responsible squad. Mm-hmm. Literally Hitsugaya is the one who does like all of the paperwork for everybody. <laughs> he's like, he's too much of a goody two shoes, <laughs> too much of a per- perfect grade A student. I gotta knock him down a peg. I'm sick of having my papers finished on time. I want to give detention. (laughs) I want to traumatize this little piece of shit. (laughs) That is absolutely the energy. I'm going to give him a complex. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the good news is he already has one. Oh, God. So, So Yamamoto tells everyone, search for the King Seal and... Assume Toshiro is a traitor. Just assume he has turned traitor and try to capture him. Uh, we see that the 10th squad is confined to a shrine and are asked to relinquish their Zanpakuto. <laughs> Rangiku asks Renji and Rukia to investigate the man that Toshiro fought and chased under the assumption that, you know, he's probably... Got, from the way that Toshiro was acting, that he, he probably recognized who this person was and that person probably had something to do with what's happening. No. Fair enough, Rangiku. You're doing you're doing the be- a good job, the best job you can in this situation. She's this trying an- her best. This is another moment in the movie where I'm going like, "Oh, are we gonna get like more character work for Rangiku in this one?" No. <laughs> Lol, no. <laughs> Lol, and may I even add Lamau? Yeah. It, it was at this point in the movie where I was like, "Wow, are we gonna get some interesting commentary on the fact that Soul Society is just like a feudal society of cops?" No, 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 never. <laughs> I too was very, you know, I was like, damn, it's like, is Rangiku gonna, like, sneak everyone out and, like, you know, do something? No, like, just, no, I think they basically disappear from this movie until it's time for the everyone action shots. Yeah, <laughs> I was so disappointed because I was like, okay, cool. I feel like she can be an interesting character when um the text isn't interested in presenting her as either being... In love with Gin Ichimaru, or boobs. Don't forget alcohol. Oh, that's true, yeah. Because she's a mature woman. She has three characters. And shopping. She has three character traits. I I guess it all falls under woman. Right, like... They're like, she 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 do be woman, she do be shopping, she do be boobs. Specifically, like, an alluring mature woman. Like, in that, that archetype. Um, I don't particularly yeah. find her alluring or even mature, but that's what that's sort of the cloth that she's cut from. Yeah. yeah. 
Next, we get a flashback of Toshiro's entire school life in like 40 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> Just all of it. From entering the academy basically all the way to his graduation. Uh, so we see him training and doing various things with a tall purple haired guy, hearing snippets of their convos. Just like them like complimenting each other oh hey we're in the same class hey you're a genius etc etc until the very end when we see a scene of the punishment squad ninjas killing whoever the fuck this guy is and hitsugaya waking up in shock in a dark room ichigo's room which has more details than ever before is including a guitar is ichigo an artist (laughs) because he's got two cups on his desk that are full of like pencils and shit he has way more, like, pencils and writing utensils or, like, art implements than any reasonable non-artist should have. Well, you I see, like think- he's the mangaka for the hit manga Bleach. <laughs> so, each one of Ichigo's core character traits that never gets brought up past Volume 1 is the fact that <laughs> he is a shut-in loner who basically was trying to find, like, ways to... He eventually settled on, I'm just going to study all the time and become really smart uh, at, at school stuff. Uh, because people keep making fun of my hair, so he stays shut in all the time and does stuff. It is conceivable to think, at some points, maybe he's like, fuck studying, let's just do art for a while. Yeah, no, sure, I can believe sure. this. The movie doesn't put any work into this. Uh, no. Neither does the series. It's just, this. the shots of his room are really are gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It, they just, are. it looks really good. Um, and then it's the last we see of this room for the rest of the movie. It sure is. Uh, where was I? Damn it. All right. Guitar. <laughs> so Ichigo shows up. He asks for info. Hits a guy is in full like, this doesn't concern you, substitute Shinigami. Uh, I've got to get the king's seal back. This is something you shouldn't bother with. I'm cool. <laughs> Why is it every single time in one of these movies? Like, I, I feel like this happened in the first movie, too. Why is it every single time, like, all of the Soul Reaper captains, like, their personality resets to being fucking mad at Ichigo for being a substitute sh- Soul Reaper? <laughs> like, every single time? You are right. But in this specific instance... It's consistent with everything else that Hitsugaya is doing in this movie. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I'm not but, arguing that. Well, yeah, but it, it happens with Soifon as well, I think, is part of the thing. Like, so, Well, the, no, no, it's because Soifon never warmed up to Ichigo. That's true. True. Ever. <laughs> no, and it definitely makes sense, again, given all of the baggage that Hitsugaya has for him to just be like, no, go away. Don't look at me. Yeah. Ah, my light's... Ah, blinded. <laughs> I hope you're I ready to see, like, bits and pieces of this same flashback for the next hour and a half of this movie. Mm-hmm. God. guy is clearly hurt, so Ichigo tells him, you know, I'll call Orihime in the- Like, he's not hurt enough that it's urgent, but he'll call Orihime in the morning. You know, it's fine. He leaves. We see early in the next morning, Hitsukaya has neatly folded his captain's cloak. And put it on Ichigo's desk. And now he's wearing the ratty old cloak as he leaves. Uh, I like that he takes the time to very calmly and slowly bow at the Kurosaki household. You know, he's like, thanks for the help. I'm leaving in quiet in the quiet darkness. Turns around and Ichigo's right fucking there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, 
He's like, hey, fuck you. If you're going to leave, do it through the front door. Stop acting like a fugitive. I, I like this. Uh, my question is, and this is a completely nonsensical question because it's anime. But where the fuck did he get this cloak? Was he, Did he just have it on him? He grabbed it from the guy he was fighting, and oh, he was carrying okay. it in his arms when he showed up near to, mm-hmm. near Ichigo. Okay. It's it's the same cloak that he wears for the rest of this movie, okay. until he gets, like, a character breakthrough moment and throws it away. Okay, so the uh. bad guy, quote-unquote, just has multiple of these ratty old cloaks. Got it. Mm-hmm. On it. The bad guy isn't wearing a cloak for the rest of the movie. Oh my god, okay, I- listen. <laughs> Everything in this movie slipped out of my brain. It's chill. There's <laughs> there's a lot of like, like uh, in the end, this cloak doesn't fucking matter. It's just to, it's just to symbolize visually. Hitsugaya is literally putting away his captain's duties. He's leaving his cloak behind, both as a sign to him and Rangiku and Ichigo and uh, Ichigo and the rest of Soul Society. Hey, I'm not doing this as a captain. I'm doing this as my own thing on my own. Yeah. Um, and also as an excuse to put him in the ratty old traveler's cloak that looks exactly the same as the like Quakeruda cloaks. Yep, uh, I definitely think that it's part of them like trying to lean into, like, there's all that thematic stuff, and then like to throw a little extra on top of it. They're like, oh yeah, ladies love Hitsugaya, so let's give him like a a brooding fugitive cloak. Yeah. Also, the tagline when the movie was announced was "Execute Hitsugaya." Hell yeah! This is a good place for me to bring up one of the notes I have. From the Wikipedia article about the production of this movie. Um, let me fucking pull this up because somehow in my... Uh, here here it is. Here, here's the fucking thing. So this is, this is one of the funny things I wanted to add. Because in the production section of Wikipedia, with the tagline being, Execute Hitsugaya, uh, this was Kubo's idea to have this be the tagline for the movie. Uh, because he wanted to surprise everyone. But he and Masakazu Morita, the Japanese voice actor for Ichigo, apparently both received tons of letters from worried fans, <laughs> which caused Kubo to apologize in response. <laughs> Are you going to kill him? Please don't kill him. Hey, voice actor for Ichigo, please don't kill Tsugaya. I'm literally pissing and shitting and crying right now. Yeah, because uh, Hitsugaya, as far as the character popularity polls, his rankings are like two one two two. Like, yeah, Hitsugaya is like the most consistently popular character across Bleach. Yes, and occasionally is more popular than Ichigo, even. And again, he oh. is notoriously popular with the ladies. Yeah, one hundred percent. I literally, before we started recording this, I texted like one of my best friends. Uh, and I was like, well, I sure had to watch the second Bleach movie, The Diamond Dust Rebellion, last night. And he responds saying, the best one. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> if- <laughs> I'm so sorry, I did not like it. And he says, oh, I didn't say it was good, just that it's the best one. <laughs> Uh-oh. Yeah, I was going to say, like, <laughs> the that means, because there's two other movies, right? Or is there? Th- yes. Yes. Yeah. that Two other movies and the live action. Oh god, the live action movie. You excited oh, for that one, Quinn? Yeah, that's going to be a, to that? that's going to be a ride. Um it so it goes through the entire like Grand Fisher arc all the way to Byakuya. 
Oh my god! In one movie. Wait, <laughs> what? Holy shit! <laughs> okay, so that's that's really funny. I was talking to people the other day about like, I saw some tweet that said, given these movies. There's no reason they can't do a full balls to the wall uh Dragon Ball adaptation. And it was like Man of Steel, Aquaman, Shang-Chi and Sonic the Hedgehog 2. And I'm like, I don't I don't know if those movies are making the point that you think that they're making. Um <laughs> but it led to me like sort of considering and I'm like I think the only way that you could do uh, and a reasonably direct adaptation of Dragon Ball Z is if you literally just do the very opening of DBZ through the fight with Raditz. Like, you can't do the Saiyan arc. You can just take it up to, up to Raditz, pretty much. Um, and hearing that they decided to go all the way through Byakuya is bananas. Yeah, no, we're... That's gonna be a time. Like, that's... Sam, did we decide we're doing that, like, post... Like, anime? Like, once we're finished? I believe so. Because we're doing... Every, we're we're following the, DG, the GGP method, right? We're doing shit in production order. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that movie would have come out after all of the anime. Okay. Cool. But before the Great. Thousand Year Blood War arc. Whenever that airs. I get hives every time I think about it. It's supposed to be this year. It's going to be, like, next season. Yeah, I think it's in October. October. Yeah. I still don't know... The, part of me is like I should remain pure. I should completely ignore it and not, and like wait until we get there in the anim- in the this show so that we can experience it live. And then part of me is like, God, I'm so curious though. <laughs> I mean, the the real answer is if we want to experience it live, we can just fucking rapid fire through Bleach and <laughs> see what we can do. Record like four or five episodes at a time, get through it. We can set a roadmap for that. I just don't know that the quality of our show will go up or down from that. <laughs> right. I am going to force us back onto the movie because we are all, we are like very early still in the movie. Yes, yeah. fair. <laughs> we can't we can't keep doing this no, as no, no, no. as much as the movie doesn't have a ton to talk about. Uh, so at this point. Uh, yeah, so Ichigo is telling Hitsugai, hey, like, you were talking about, like, a Kusaka in your sleep. Um, is he the guy who stole the King's Seal? Like, is this what's going on? Hitsugai draws his blade on Ichigo, and Ichigo is basically saying, like, I'm gonna give you a choice. Either I bring you back to, you come back to my house, or I report you to Soul Society. Uh, but before he can make a choice, or that they can start a fight, because it looked like they were going to start a fight, uh, the two, the red-blue girls show up. <laughs> And then Hitsugaya starts a fight, but he just knocks Ichigo away, and then it turns into a fight between Ichigo and the girls. Um, During the very brief clash with Hitsugaya, Hitsugaya is like, please, something. So just to give Ichigo like some doubt on what he's doing and his motivations for the rest of the movie. My favorite thing about the red-blue girls is that they each have the one power, and that's it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, here. here's our thing. Here's our energy. Our energy blast. I do a fire. Um, I do a lightning. Boom. Done. Character design. <laughs> Ichigo manages to repel their attacks, even after they fuse them into one big blast. But he's, like, he gets knocked out, and the girls run away, and Hitsugaya runs after them. When, Hitsugaya, uh, when Ichigo wakes up, it is with a fist to the face from Renji. <laughs> well, this, who is there with Rukia? This scene is so interesting, though, because 
they transition it and you're seeing it through Ichigo's eyes. Which is weird, right? Because that implies wakefulness on Ichigo's part. He's like drowsy, but he's seeing all of this come together in a way that well, I he's, it, it it introduced some tension for me. I'm like, this is an interesting effect to use, but it gets very weird when Renji like is actively like gearing up to talking about wanting to punch him in the face, and he's just like, what? Yeah, like, Ichigo is in the process of waking up, and he's, like, opening his eyes slowly, and he's drowsy, and Renji's like, we should slap him awake. I should punch him in the face. And then he does. He breathes on his knuckle first. (laughs) (laughs) He gives his knuckle, like, a a little, like, lucky, like, (laughs) then he punches Ichigo in the face. Uh, Rukia, Renji, and... and, uh, Ichigo just, like, trade information on what they've been going through in the movie so far. They decide, okay, well, Renji's gonna go back home, check for info on Kusaka, because Rukia doesn't have the authority to talk to Rangiku. So she's gonna stay with Ichigo. Oh. And also, basically not doing... I will give this movie credit, it lets Rukia fight, and when she's fighting, it doesn't chump her out. Which is something I cannot say for 90% of the anime. Mm -hmm. That's fair. That's that's definitely fair. Uh, that's one point for this movie. Other than, like, one fight, though, two fights, Rukia does nothing in this movie, and she's basically inconsequential and could be cut from this movie entirely. Um, which is a shame. The same could be said for about 90% of the characters in this movie, though. Yes. Uh, I just think it's a shame that, like, Rukia isn't, like, a character. I agree. <laughs> because at least the other characters are characters in the show. This is true. Uh, maybe the filler will fill out her character. Here's hoping. Here is hoping. So we cut to another Hitsugaya flashback, and this time it's Central 46 just saying, hey, it's either Hitsugaya or Kusaka. There can only be one. Like, you're gonna have to kill each other. And Toshiro says, okay, fuck that. I'll give up my sword. I'll give up Hiyorin Maru. Uh, And they're like, nope. Illegal. Too bad. You can't do it. No, 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 no. It's also really funny because the English... Dub has Central 46 saying, We have no use for two Shinigami, which is like, <laughs> You sure do. You absolutely you do. That, do. The sub does have that line in it as well, <laughs> which is like, feels completely divorced from the rest of this context. <laughs> yeah. just like, what the fuck are you talking about? You have use for my, my- so many Shinigami, dude. <laughs> My favorite part about this particular part of the flashback is that this Central 46 scene shows up three separate times in the whole movie, and it's basically exactly the same each time. Yeah. Um, at this point, Hitsugaya just, like, he wakes up in the present, and he continues to move on, clearly still hurt and exhausted. In Soul Society, the mysterious max- masked figure that is... Certainly not Kasaka. Absolutely not. Uh, plots with the red and blue girls saying they'll keep an eye on Hitsugaya. Something about their powers being the same, and that means he won't have a place anywhere. He'll have to come to us. <laughs> Cut to Urahara's place, where Rukia explains to Ichigo and friends that she doesn't have fucking any answers about Hitsugaya. Like, he, his, he was in the academy after her, uh, when they were both in the Rukan guy, like... 
they were in different districts, so they don't know they don't have any like similar social circles. After she left the academy, she was like in the nobility, so again, completely different social circles. And now she's like a random seated officer, and he's a captain, so completely different. She has n- she knows absolutely nothing about Toshiro, <laughs> but apparently that's from what she's heard. That's true of basically everyone. He just doesn't tell anyone about his problems. And Orihime says, he's strong. But Ichigo, just putting on clown makeup and pretending he doesn't do the same thing every single arc of the anime, says, bullshit, if he was strong, why would he worry everyone around him, honk honk? Mm-hmm. God. <laughs> it's very funny. Uh, and, like, I actually really like that the sh- that in this version, the movie of Ichigo that is in this movie... The version, the version of Ichigo that is in this movie is a version of the character that does not do this, and that explicitly did this when he was a child. It's going to come up later in the summary, and he's like, work through this. But it's still like, Ichigo does this constantly in the show, and he's going to keep fucking doing it. it it's <laughs> the, the, sort of the central, like, tension of Ichigo's character, but not always in, like, an intentional way, right? Where, like... Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't always feel like it's saying something because Ichigo wants to be like the strong protector who like is there for people and makes sure that no one ever has to like worry or suffer harm again. It is like kind of an interesting dynamic, especially when you compare it to like the other big two shonen stories that were running at that time, uh Naruto and One Piece. Like the 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 dynamic between the cast is slightly different in that way. But then Ichigo mm-hmm. does literally just replicate that harm and tension the second anything happens. Yeah, like, as soon as he uh, that as he finds any uh, difficulty or it, there's any danger that occurs, like, just immediately, hey, everyone, I'm gonna do this alone, don't worry about it, don't put yourself in danger. Men will literally um, abandon all their friends and not tell them anything instead of going to therapy. <laughs> The, the Ichigo we have in this movie is, like, episode 15 Ichigo, but with somehow the knowledge of how to use Bankai and also what Arankar and Visards are. Mm-hmm. Yes. He, he's like, I have overcome my grief with Grand Fisher, and <laughs> I'm good, like, I'm good and mentally stable, and also, like, I know how to ask for help from people. And then he just forgets it. Yes. Maybe he just keeps getting concussions in combat and he forgot how he forgot about his character development. That's exactly what happened. I it's canon now. Sorry, Kubo. We took over. So all the humans are going to just spend some time looking for uh Hitsugai around town. In Soul Society, Renji is blocked at the door by the second squad vice captain, and he just starts picking a fight with him until Kyoraku, the eighth captain, shows up and says, eh, you know, just what does it matter? He's with me. Come on, let's go. Uh, so all of them go talk to Rangiku. Uh, she starts feeling sad that she also doesn't know shit about Hitsugaya. And then Nanao is like, that doesn't mean anything. Like, if you just don't, if you don't know about him and you want to learn more about him, just fucking do it. Like, just go learn about him. Ask questions. Go look at his records or whatever. Um, Nanao here really said, just go stalk your friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, if he doesn't tell you anything... Ask questions. If he still doesn't tell you anything, go look at his school records. <laughs> yeah. You know, normal person things to do. Um, and then they they kind of bring up the fact, oh, right, also he left his captain's coat behind and it's covered in blood. But this man was, like, seriously wounded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which 
remind which makes me realize that the fact that he's wounded doesn't actually go anywhere. No. No, it, not at all. <laughs> I only just realized that this just never is like a thing that comes up. He he's well, you see him being wounded is in- integral to the movie because he like falls over a couple times and then has like a flashback about Kusaka. So like it's really integral if you think about it that he's wounded this entire movie. <laughs> Speaking of flashbacks, flashback dream sequence again, <laughs> where we see the shape of Kusaka and Hitsugaya flipping back and forth between them, and then Kusaka getting presented with Hyorin Maru's power by, you know, the Ice Dragon himself. And finally, both of them are in a cave, and Kusaka's like, I'm glad we're getting the same powers. And this is followed by a short, beautiful, yet completely ludicrous montage of Hitsugaya like walking through Karakura town. He's using his sword scabbard as a walking stick because he's so hurt and wounded. And he's just walking through the town like on a bridge next to a train, up some stairs in the suburbs, through a little residential area. <laughs> it's just completely ludicrous yeah. watching him in his like traveler's cloak as a ghost, just walking through these like quiet suburbs. It's it's beautiful. It's a great looking sequence, but mm-hmm. it's fucking ridiculous. Right. How how much better do you think this movie would be if instead of focusing on everybody in fucking the Bleach universe going, yo, what the fuck's up with Hitsugaya? How much better do you think it would be if that was all in the background and everything in the foreground was, here's Hitsugaya's journey. He, like, we don't need to have all one million of these flashback sequences like, we can just have him go on this journey and have a lot of, you know, self-reflection throughout it. This could be, it could be so good. It could be so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 I don't know. Have him, have him be on a journey with, like, one of the Urahara kids and, like, he's telling them his journey. He's telling them about the flashbacks, at like, telling them what happened in pieces or something. Yeah. Something, yeah. yeah. Like, even Ichigo. Even Ichigo I would be fine with. But alas, uh, instead we cut back to the Nao and Kyoraku who are going through old society, uh, like soul, soul society, like school records, and like here's all the captains in the last fifty years. No Kusaku in here. What about the student files that went during when Hitsukaya was there? No one named Kusaku in here. Oh, but like they find there's there's like a weird number thing where the number of people who like went into Hitsukaya's graduating class isn't the same number as the people who are accounted for. So when they, they eventually, this all leads back to files on Kusaka Sojiro, who is just a guy who died from the Rukangai. And Kiraku tells Nanao, you know, dig around for what the fuck his cause of death was. And then he goes investigate something. And when he goes outside, he's getting tailed by one of the red blue girls. I honestly couldn't tell which because it's nighttime. So she looks blue regardless. (laughs) Yeah. I, I do actually like the detective shit, like, honestly. Like, it's not great, but, like, I do like it as, like, a little bit of a breather from... Yeah, and it's, it is, it is like, an effective little detective moment. Uh, it just also feels like, oh, these characters just don't have... Like, this is the bit that is going to do for this movie. Yes, 100%. She's never going to show up again. Um so he notices he's being tailed, he runs into an alley, but he doesn't get followed. Instead, there's some snow crystals that fall that fall in front of him, and then the mysterious masked man shows up, proclaims that Kyoraku will be slain by Hitsugaya Toshiro, and he sends a torrent of ice in his direction. At the same time, 
and the, the movie confirms this is happening at the same time. In a shrine in some woods in the real world, Kira and Hisagi show up with the special forces to bring uh, Toshiro into custody. He refuses, fighting them off despite being clearly barely able to move, and eventually gets desperate enough to activate his Bankai, which Ichigo notices from, like, off a mountain. Yes. <laughs> like, it just zooms towards Ichigo, who's somewhere else, and he's like, oh, a Bankai. <laughs> uh, but he doesn't do anything with it, so it doesn't matter that he noticed. <laughs> My favorite part of this sequence is when Hitsugaya gets hit by an Elden Ring spirit arrow sort of thing, and then it's just stuck in him, and he's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not fine, but he's fine. I do love seeing him, like, clumsily paw at it to, like, try and get it out, and eventually he does. Yes! <laughs> but it's like, okay, so he's he's not just, like, completely unfazed. It's just, it takes him a while to find it and dig it out. Uh, in Soul Society, Squad 4 is preparing Kyoraku for surgery, urgent surgery, while Nanao weeps outside, blaming herself. <laughs> like, <laughs> god damn it, Bleach. Ukitake, captain of the 13th squad, shows up to console her and mentioned, oh yeah, the 6th squad is investigating. And then we just cut to Byakuya, who's like, putting a hand on a giant block of ice, and he's like, hmm, I'm pretty sure this is Hyorin Maru's doing. <laughs> also, if we haven't made it clear, the the movie never explains how it's possible for two Soul Reapers to have the same Zanpakuto, nor why it's a big deal. Well, and so... Yeah, it really muddies my understanding, because, like, I thought that the Zanpakuto is kind of your soul. Like, it is a, it is like a a manifestation they... of your soul, which comes through your contact with this weapon. But also, it's the weapon, it, it's like, it's a, a this... muddy concept to begin with. The movie's answer is, yes, but Hyorin Maru is different. Uh, there is something that talks about... There are two places where this is mentioned later in my summary. Okay. Uh, because this does come up, sort of. But the each time, the answer, the movie goes, yes, but also let's talk about something else instead. <laughs> yeah, it's their soul. So that means they kind of have the same soul. But ice dragons are real. So I think that's more important. Ice dragons, right? I, bitches love ice dragons. They do love I, ice I hadn't considered the ice dragon angle. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so, Byaku is like, yep, Hyorimaru, clearly. And then a squad two guy shows up to tell Ukitake that Hitsugai has defeated and escaped his pursuers. They're like, oh, he killed Kyoraku and also at the same time was doing this? Um <laughs> uh, in the human world, Ichigo's friends are at the scene of the fight. They decide to go home and rest a bit since they've been up all night. Like, it just kind of gets, like, mentioned. Well, Orohime falls that, or, like, decides to sit down when everyone's standing. She's tired. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we've been up all night. <laughs> we Oh, were you? Okay, I guess. So they just decide to go sleep for the afternoon. Um, and then we cut back to Soul Society. And... Yamamoto is like, Toshiro is formally expelled from the squads, and if you find him, capture him. If he resists, execute him. And Unahana is like, excuse me, isn't this, like, political bullshitting? Hmm. Uh, Yamamoto ignores her, and so does the movie. <laughs> Nothing comes from this. 
like I I just I I love how this movie is consistently like hmm all right well Hitsukaya definitely did this thing that we have no evidence for uh so yeah execute him <laughs> yeah Unohana walks in and says actually the Senate parliamentarian says you can't do that and then everybody <laughs>, laughs pretty much God. Uh, Ruki and Ichigo are awoken by this news, uh, you know, comes to Rukia's uh, cell phone, and Renji gives them a rundown of Kusaka and, like, you know, what's been happening. And just as this happens, the red and blue girls attack Ichigo's house, along with the mysterious masked man who wields Hyorinmaru. He just he just pulls out the sword. Although, he is tall enough to wear it on his belt instead of Hitsugaya, who has to put it on his back. So, points to this guy, I guess. I know... We have very, very vaguely touched on it, and by vaguely, I mean you literally said the guy who's totally not Kusaka. But I, I need to really state that this mask thing really did not work for me at all mm-hmm. because the movie makes it completely obvious who it is immediately, and then there is there's literally like, no one else it could be. Yes. Yeah, and the, like the movie is very clear be... in the in the introduction of this character. This is Kusaka. He is on the movie poster. He might as well be wearing a mask that says "I'm Kusaka." Hi, and like the the thing that gets me, and I know we have not gotten to this scene yet, but I do not care. There is literally a scene where he takes off his mask and then five seconds later puts it back on. Yeah, and I'm like, why? Why? He was getting we sweaty. All know who you are. He needs to he's let his his facial skin breathe a little bit. I guess yeah. um, it has so many holes in the mask, though. It's it. You would think it would be well ventilated. <laughs> it's doing nothing in terms of protecting him from COVID, mind you. But absolutely not. Um. No, it, it is weird. I also do think, unless I misunderstood and like misinterpreted what I was seeing with my eyes, which is possible, I. I realize that that linguistic construction makes it sound like, don't fucking challenge me on this, I fucking dare you. But I, I literally mean like I might have been mistaken. But it seems like Kusaka's version of Hyorin Maru, where like, Hitsugai has like the sort of like star formation on the blade, right? Um, And it's filled in, whereas Kusaka's looks like it's bare bones, like it, there's a lot of empty space in it. Oh, I did not notice that. I'm sorry, I did not quite catch that just because my dog was once again going ape shit. The hilt guard, yeah, so uh, Sam has put an image in here. You can see his sword is like a a four-pointed star. It's almost like a shuriken. Um, yeah, it's a solid four-pointed star, whereas Kusaka has like group. It seems to have like, like empty group. It's holes, the same yeah. shape, but there's holes in each of the points. Yep. That's That's a neat little detail. I like that. Right. Okay, and I'm glad that it is actually true. It, here it is. Thank you for providing, like, visual evidence. I'm like, did this happen or not? Yes. And so it is, that is, like, a little interesting, um, like, touch. Here's actually a much better look at it. Uh, it, it I was like, oh, right, I have the movie open. I can just scrub Right, yeah, here it is. And, like, so there's the holes in it, but it's, like, it's sort of like a bony structure. Like, it is the... It feels like what is underneath the mm-hmm. hilt guard yeah. here, where there's three openings in each of the 
like four points um that leave you with the impression that like oh right this is like the incomplete alternate version of this thing this is also being used by someone who is in a lot of ways like you know incomplete not fully realized and so i think that is really cool Yes, yeah. I agree. In terms of that is cool. visual storytelling and character design. Sorry it took me so long to get around to actually articulating <laughs> that. But I did notice no, that, and I thought, good. like, oh, hey, there's actually something interesting going on here. It, it is worth noting, and this is the, the last point I have to point to the Wikipedia. Uh, so we already told Quinn about this, basically, but uh, Kusaka is, in fact, designed by Kubo. Um so this is a Kubo original design. Uh, he apparently wrote a one shot about Hitsugaya to promote this movie, which we are not covering in this episode because it is apparently adapted into an anime episode, like a hundred episodes down the line. So we'll get there in a year <laughs> or whatever. But the funny thing is that he could not add Kusaka to the one shot because the concept came from the anime production side. So, <laughs> it, it it is very strange in that Kubo designed the character but could not use it in his manga. Yeah, that's so fucking funny. <laughs> um, Alright, so back to the movie. Uh, we basically just immediately cut back to Soul Society where we get... We get a clip of Ukitake at Kiraku, and I really like this bit because Ukitake is like, Hey, what's up? Like... You're, this isn't how it's supposed to go. I'm the one who's supposed to be sick and bedridden. Like you're, you're not supposed to be hurt. Um, I ship them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I am into it. Yeah. And at this point, Byakuya points out, "Hey, I have used my ultimate detective skills to figure out that there's no way Hitsugaya could have been at the place of this attempted assassination and fighting off the the punishment squad." While barely able to escape them. I've got a question for you, Captain Kyoraku. How tall was the guy who was claiming to be Hitsugaya? <laughs> Six foot one? Couldn't be him. <laughs> Case closed. I, I feel like you would notice that immediately. He's like, you're not a short king. You're not four foot nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fa- well, in fairness, like Kyoraku is unconscious and being prepped for surgery. He only regains consciousness later, at which That's point they do mm-hmm. the Shunigami do actually like turn around on things. Okay, right. Um, okay, That's yeah, fair. Like all the only information that the Soul Society has at this point is someone made giant fucking ice crystals, and this person is either a skilled enough to take Kiraku by surprise, or b powerful enough to beat him in a fight. It is at this point that Biakia is like. He he doesn't actually say this. I'm just adding this for my own effects. And Diva is going insane again, but it's fine. It, it's at this point that Biaki is like, "I've got a theory. What if there were two Yorin Marus?" <laughs> but that's just a theory, a game theory. So, God damn it! <laughs> I was hoping you would not follow through, but okay, fine. <laughs> I've literally never watched one of those videos. I just know that they exist. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Well, now's the time where Ukitake and Byakuya go, well, since we've got a game theory, let's go ask Mayuri to hack into Super Secret Archive. <laughs> and they're like, hey, is it possible, you know, on the off chance, is it possible for there to be 
two of the same Zenpakuto. And Mayuri's like, no, you're fucking idiots. As Zenpakuto is the soul, and it's like it's the soul of the Shinigami. They're just they're part of their body, they're one and the same. There can't be two of them. And they're like, can you prove that though? That like it's impossible. Like, can there be two Hyorin Marus? And then <laughs> Mayuri goes. Hyorin Mare, that changes everything. Let me hack into the super secret Central 46 archives, and then we don't get any more information about this. There's like a, a, a interesting little bit where he like hacks into a 3D space, and then it's like done. <laughs> yeah, but like he says, like when they mention it's Hyorin Maru, Mayuri like changes his tune and says, hmm, interesting. Yeah, there might be something there, but they don't say why. The, the movie has no interest in telling us why. I do like that his keyboard is like a piano keyboard with characters <laughs> on it. Yes. <laughs> He's a piano hacker. It's great. I I kind of adore that. So we go back to the human world. Kusaka tells Ichigo that Hitsugaya killed him. And we see a flashback where Central 46 deemed it illegal for two Shinigami to have the same Zenbakuto. Also illegal, Hitsugaya refusing to fight. <laughs> This leads to a conflict between the two, and once the match was decided, according to the six scholars, which, as we all know, the six scholars are chosen from Central 46 to be the final authority on the rulings of Soul Society. Yes, in I, case you for, I totally in knew case, this. In case you forgot this incredibly easy-to-forget throwaway line from, like, once during the fucking Eisen arc. It's fine. I, I totally remember all of this. I <laughs> hmm, Central 46... 100% integral to the plot of Bleach. Uh, yeah, so the ninja's just like... D like, he is still able to fight, but they're like, well, Kusaka lost. Everyone fucking stab him. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they just all jump on him and kill him while holding back Hitsugaya. It, it was at uh, this point that my wife, uh, who was in the room as I was watching this movie, but not paying attention at all, uh, saw the scene and went, that was fucked up. Mm. And that, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Turns out, though, this flashback is literally, be like, Ichigo is seeing this flashback happen, and it stuns him for just the moment, so Kusaka takes the opportunity to just freeze him in a large block of ice. Mm -hmm. uh, at this point, Ichigo goes inside his mind palace to talk to Zangetsu, who explains that the bullshit law of you can't have more than one of the same Zanpakuto <laughs> is to keep the balance of things, because the most important thing for Soul Society like, every single one of their laws is to keep balance, which is why it's the same reason they killed the Quincy's, because they were obliterating hollows instead of purifying them, and that was fucking up the soul balance, and that would eventually lead to destruction of the universe. He gives a so, very Jedi Council explanation he, of things here. He Yeah, he's basically saying, if there's two Shinigami with the same sword, the universe is going to break because the laws of physics can't handle it. Is there, and that's it. He doesn't give any further explanation than this. <laughs> it's literally him coming out and being like, yeah, I mean, you just gotta deal with it. That's that's the way it is. And then he's gone. Ichigo thankfully says, well, that's a bullshit law, and I don't care what you say. Toshiro wouldn't become a danger to, like, the people around him. Like, just, he wouldn't. So he thinks back to his own past after his mother died and he kept everything bottled up and he didn't realize that he was hurting his family by pretending everything was fine. <laughs> and that makes him realize, fuck, Hitsugaya is like doing the same thing and Hitsugaya, like that's what Hitsugaya is up to. I do like the shots of like young Ichigo just like 
trying to hold it in because he's like, adults don't cry. I need to not cry. <laughs> yeah, no, that that stuff's pretty all right. Uh, number one starts playing, and while mm-hmm. Ruka, Ruka at this point is just holding her own against the red-blue girls, you know, she's on the defensive, so she's not able to actually do anything, but she gets a couple of good fight shots. Uh, number one starts playing, Ichigo explodes out of the ice in his bankai, the girls each turn to their, their elements, Ichigo is like, I must tell Hitsugaya about my bre- my emotional breakthrough that I had when I was ten. <laughs> he's going... Th- He's going through the same hardships. After all, he's uh, also ten. Yeah, and at this point, we see that Hitsugaya is like walking through some nondescript large underground area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uncertain if he, I think he's like in at a dam or something. I don't know. Uh, the it's, the wiki says in an abandoned factory, which makes sense given we know <laughs> Karakura is littered with those. <laughs> Fair. He's in the abandoned factory district. I understand. <laughs> uh, and and it's like. We see that, like, Hitsugaya is preparing for a fight because he's taking cloth and he's wrapping his arm. He's, like, got a hard time holding his sword, so he's wrapping his cloth around his hand and the hilt so it, like, won't fall down. Um, Kasaka appears before him, showing off the king's seal, and it's so powerful that Rukia and Ichigo can feel it even from where they're fighting. The red-blue girls mention, this is the start of Kitsugaya and Kusaka's joint revenge against Soul Society. And then they just summon a bunch of hollows, and they're like, hollows, attack. <laughs> Go forth. I, I felt like I blinked and did not <laughs> understand where all of these fucking hollows came from. I, I, God. Also worth noting that in this scene, Hitsugaya is like, how do you know so much about the Owen? And then Kasaka's like, it doesn't matter. Owen, attack! <laughs> and he doesn't say that, but you know, it, it, it's like, he does not say anything. He just kind of laughs as he holds it up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so the the king, the Ryatsu of the King's Seal appears on Sokyoku Hill in Soul Society because every fucking bleach plot has to show eventually end up on this goddamn hill it's it's thematic you gotta you gotta go to sokyoku hill uh so everyone in the 13 squads are notified that kusaka and hitsukaya are now on the hill and kusaka explains the power of the king's seal it grants the ability to traverse time space and infinite dimensions so you can teleport, you can block any attack by sending it to another dimension, you can heal yourself by going back in time to before you were hurt. Um, after his death, Kusaka was reincarnated in Huecomundo, <laughs> and has been looking for revenge ever since. And now he wants Hitsugaya to use his Bankai to cut the seal, so everything will turn to dust. It, um, it is worth stating, like... We'll get there when we get there, but this is something that is literally not able to be canon anymore. <laughs> I mean, most of this movie, just the the way that, like, the characters are, uh, like, the powers that they show, and w- knowing the names of certain characters, or the fact that Ichigo is aware of Vizard, that kind of, like, there's a lot of reasons that this doesn't work. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Oh, it, time, it is just wise. that the, uh, the new Bleach one-shot literally decanonizes this exact thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he he reincarnated, has been looking for revenge, and now he wants the him to use the Bankai to cut his thing. At this point, Renji, Ikaku, and Yuichika show up to fight. Ikaku attacks, and Hitsukaya defends his old friend. I think the idea here is... Well, part of the idea, and 
the the movie goes into later is that he wants to uh he's a guy who wants to be the one to handle this because you know soul society was a huge shit to to kasaku but also at this point i'm thinking like oh is he blocking yukaku so uh kusaka doesn't just like put the king seal in between them and makes ikaku cut it (laughs) because that's what i'm assuming at this point i don't even know honestly like this the entire rest of the movie is basically just fights for a majority of it Mm -hmm. and i I, it's at this point that the entire movie becomes a muddied mess as if it wasn't already yeah like on earth uryu shows Mm -hmm. up and he kills every single hollow in a single shotgun burst and <laughs> and then he explains that he can fire 1,200 shots at once, and e- you know, just like in the anime. Yeah, exactly like in the anime. And Ichigo's like, hey, what if you hit me? And Uryo's like, I wouldn't miss. Which I think is a cute character thing, like, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I kind of almost would have liked him to say, like, if I would have hit you, it would have been on purpose. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, I also gotta say... In both this recording and in my experience of watching the movie, at this point, I'm still sitting here just, like, scratching my head thinking about the two Hyorin Marus. I'm just, like, I, I can't make it make sense. Like, I can't. <laughs> Mayuri said that stuff, but it doesn't help me. I don't feel any. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's just for, for X reasons, Soul Society decided... Hey, this can't happen, and also, but it happened anyway. Right, so one of them, because they have no use for two soul reapers. Of course not. Who needs two soul reapers? Yeah, I have a theory about this that I, I'll i mention at the end. Cool. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm so distracted by this. And it's funny because I'm not like, I think that like capital L lore is a hugely like problematized thing. Oftentimes it works in ways that are actively harmful to good storytelling or um like fan interactions with material i like i'm i'm sort of an anti-canon person when that space is available but this is something that's like so central to what's going on and they keep flirting with explaining it but then not doing it in a way that creates way more tension than if they just like kind of pretended that it wasn't a thing you know I mean, we we kind of got the same thing in the first movie with uh, Senna, mm-hmm. because like they kind of they kind of try to explain it sometimes, and then they don't really, and then they're just like, "Well, this is a movie, right? Like we don't have to explain it. It's all about the spectacle." Yeah. Well, ultimately, the fact that there are two Hiyo in Marus is not important. And does not really impact the plot. The only reason that it is important is that it acts as a catalyst to have Soul Society unjustly kill uh, Kusaka. That's the important part of it. Everything else about it is whatever. It doesn't actually impact the movie in any way, shape, or form. It also lets the guy walk around with a cool purple ice dragon. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. It, it like informs his... Uh, but like f- for the most part... Other than the bit, the thing that this is the reason why he was unjustly killed by um, Soul Society, you could have made this movie and not changed basically anything if all you did was give Kusaka another, uh, a di- like, we know that there are other Aizen Pakuto because Rukia literally has one. You could have just said Kusaka also has an Aizen Pakuto and it happens to be that his moveset is similar to Hitsugaya's. 
Yep. I, I think and my thing is that the title of the movie doesn't really reflect the movie to me. Uh, in that it's called the Diamond Dust Rebellion, but I'm also entirely unclear on what rebellion is happening here because, like, yes, Hitsugaya is like issuing his captain duties and going after this, but that's not really like that's not really evocative of the word rebellion to me. Like, Kusaka believes all the way through this movie until the very end. He believes that Hitsugaya is joining him in his revenge against Soul Society. Yes. Okay. I also, I also gotta say, it's called the Diamond Dust Rebellion, and nobody uses their powers to summon Shiva. Well, actually, uh, we'll we'll get to <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> we should keep going in the fight scene <laughs> so we can get to this. Probably. Yeah, so Uryu kills all the hollows, the flame girl shoots a giant meteor, Chad inter- shows up to intercept it, Orihime showed up to, like, say good job, and then she doesn't do anything for the rest of this movie or have any more lines. Um, which is, you would think that in, by showing Chad, like, explode a fucking meteor, you could have just had the immediate follow-through be, it, f- it breaks into chunks and Orihime uses her shields. <laughs> yes, yes, 100%, but Orihime nope. doesn't get to do anything. This is Bleach. God, I'm so mad. <laughs> she, she has literally done more as a captive of Aizen than she has done for this movie. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, yeah, so the teens are like, hey, Urahara is like preparing a gate to Soul Society. Get your ass over there. We're going to take care of this problem. Uh He's already preparing the gate. Fine. On Sokyoku Hill, there's like dozens and dozens of Special Force Shinigami show up, and all the captains show up, and they're like, Hitsugaya, you have to stand down. And once more, Kusaka's like, now's your chance, cut the seal! And all of the masses of Shinigami attack, only to get interrupted by Ichigo, who blasts open the ground, and he's like, You fucking idiots. Have you ever once in your life thought about the orders that you received? And mm-hmm. Soifan responds within a second with absolutely the fuck not. <laughs> Who do you think we are? Right. We're good cops. <laughs> it's so wild to me that Ichigo's here and he's like, has anyone, literally any of you just thought maybe Hitsugaya isn't betraying you over nothing? Like, maybe he's not actually betraying. Have any of you thought this? And everyone's just like, what are you talking about, Ichigo? We really, what do you mean Yamamoto might have made a bad call? We really needed Ichigo here during the Imbara arc of Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, Ichigo literally shows up and goes, are there no good cops among you? <laughs> Soifan literally says, our job is not to question, it's to obey the orders from on high. Okay, cop. Yep. And I'm just like, oh my god. Thankfully at this point, uh, Yamamoto tells everyone to shut the fuck up, because Yamamoto is care- is here with Rangiku and Kyoraku. And it's like, okay, Kyoraku woke up, told them he wasn't attacked by Hitsugaya. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a thing they figured out on their own. Uh, and then all of them showed up. Uh, the captain commander says, oh, it was the king's seal that brought Kisaku back to life. 
for reasons, I suppose. I guess. This is never... They don't go into details it's how so this happened. It's so funny. They're like, yeah, the, the King's Seal did it. And it's like, why would the King's Seal give a shit about Kusaka? What? I, yeah. I don't know. It, 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 like, makes this very slight dive towards the Owen. I'm going to say the Owen just because it's what I'm used to. Uh, being, like, somewhat sentient, I guess, but then it does nothing further to drive this point home, and it's just like, yeah, no, this is mm-hmm. bullshit. Magic bullshit. Don't worry about it. Yeah, at this point, Kusaka's about to use the King Seal to do something. Hitsugaya attacks him. Everyone, including Kusaka, is shocked that maybe Hitsugaya isn't a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> so Rukia's like, okay, here's the stakes. Here's what's happening. Hitsugaya wants to take ownership of this fight because Kusaka was his good friend. So he's fe- like he's feeling guilty about about it, so he's like, I have to be the one to like kill him. Also, Kusaka's previous murder was unjustly done by Soul Society. So Hitsugaya wants to be the one to finish this fight and stop Kusaka from hurting people, but he also doesn't want to do it as part of Soul Society. He wants the person to kill Kusaka to not be Soul Society because he was previously unjustly murdered by soul society so he needed to pretend he was leaving the squads and get himself expelled this is where if anything the politics of this get really there's space to talk about this move politically in terms of this being like more or less a fucking failed move on hitsugaya's part like there, I guess there's like the emotional satisfaction that comes out of this, but he he hasn't distanced himself from Soul Society. Come on, yeah, like and like everyone tells him such. Uh, I think ten minutes from now or something. <laughs> like it's like no, you you did that as a cop. You turned your body cam off, but you were still doing cop shit. <laughs> he he decided to be the rebel cop who takes shit into his own hands, and I don't know it. It doesn't work. Uh, it's, it's dubious at best that the motivations here are, well, he got executed unjustly, so I'm gonna execute him justly. Like, no? Yes, in favor of the society that killed him unjustly, on their orders, using their gun that they gave me. Yes! The gun that he died for. (laughs) Like, it, it, it Mm -hmm. makes no sense, it changes nothing, it's, it's literally... The movie's whole point that it seemingly points at is, like, just thrown away here because he just does—he's, like, getting ready to just do the thing they already did. Yeah, it's just Hitsugaya—it's Hitsugaya uh, wanting to be, like, absolve himself of his guilt, essentially. And then the movie doesn't engage with that, right? Like, the like. They don't really go like, yeah, you didn't do shit on your own. Or like, no, you're still incredibly a cop. Like, you you did that. He, like, he gets the satisfaction of it. And I don't think that he earned the satisfaction of that. Like, no, you were just an executioner for the state. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, you, that didn't you change did, anything. like, the, you did the mental gymnastics to make yourself feel like less of an executioner for the state, but I don't know. Coheed and Cameron's Justice and Murder starts playing in the background. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Fucking A. Um, 
Also, I don't know if you all noticed this. This is a bit of a sidetrack. I felt like some of the animators in this movie were in an arms race to see who could make Hitsugaya's eyes the biggest. <laughs> They're like, no, he needs to be more wooby. He's being, he's being too cop. He needs to be more wooby. We need bigger. <laughs> we need the ladies to see his giant eyes. If there's, there's anything times... that the Winter Soldier and the Batman have taught us, it's that the trick to being more wooby isn't bigger eyes it's more eyeshadow you're right <laughs> that's that's true but one of the thing i think um like again we're looking at uh a movie it's animated and some some of these shots are coming from action scenes and so like i can't really fault them for not being like on model because that's not as important in action as conveying like movement weight there's like a million different things you would prioritize over having a character on model. Sometimes Hitsugaya does look like a bug, though. <laughs> we Well, I, I feel like to channel a podcast I, I know both Sam and I are into, is he more of a bug or an insect? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm into that podcast as well. Okay. Um, no, he's definitely, he's looking like a bug, because he's like, he's, he's still kind of cute about it. He's not like, he's not insect mode. Uh, he's not... He's not there, but he's definitely, like, a little ice bug. Yeah, no, for sure. He's definitely a little buggy here. Uh, Kusaka, though? I, I feel like Kusaka could be a little insecty here. Oh, for sure. You know, this is this is where this all points to, is the war between bug and insect. And I think that's really what this movie should have been about. God. <laughs> I would follow you down this road, but we do have more summary to go through. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Kazaka says, fuck you, I'll call, I'll cut, if you're not gonna help me, I'll cut the seal myself, and he does, and meanwhile, Ichigo is just like, it's Gaia, like, every person that you supposedly pushed away is here to support you, like, you, they're your, I don't care if you're gonna ask him for help or not, they're still your support system, like, fucking talk to them, <laughs> and then there's a flashback to when he was, his, it was, it's the same flashback as previously, but further down the line, his, fa his, Family basically just convinces Ichigo to cry with them instead of pretending that everything's okay, so all of them can cry and grieve together. It is like a a, a good like little affecting shot of Ishin like holding his three kids while they all cry. Yeah, no, like I I like this scene. I I'm glad we get young Ichigo. Like I'm happy anytime we see this. Yeah, uh, Bleach tends to be pretty good when it's dealing with like the grief stuff. Yeah, mm. for sure, for sure. At this point, all of Squad 10 is here to support Toshiro, even as Kusaka finishes his evil villain transformation into a giant ice dragon. Everyone looks on in shock, except for Zoraki, who, like, charges in and cleaves the thing in half, but it grabs his sword, heals itself up, and then beats him down to the ground. Yeah, Kusaka <laughs> here becomes a dragon version of Shiva. Uh, he is now a Final Fantasy summon, and, you know, that's that's just how this goes. He does look incredibly like a, a video game summon. Like, uh, it's pretty wild. He goes fucking full JRPG villain here. Yeah, he jumps backwards, lands on a house, uh, covers it in ice, and then he's like, and now time to build my JRPG dungeon castle. Uh, yeah, he, he summons... <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, he, he he's hurt... Like, summons an entire, like, enormous tree out of ice, which, with the Elden Ring spirit area from earlier, I was just like, alright, he's just making an ice herd tree. But then he transports everyone to Sword Art Online, and I was like, okay. 
Yeah, like, he summons both of his minions, the red-blue girls. They look beat to shit, and I'm like, are you telling me that Uryu, Orihime, and Chad beat these two characters up? Off screen. Yes! <laughs> God damn it. Well, Sam, um, you have to understand, getting the shot of every single captain doing their one thing, like, for the next ten minutes is incredibly important, and they didn't have the budget to show our main <laughs> characters doing anything. This was also incredibly a problem with the first movie. Yes. They did the same thing. Yeah. Um, so, turns to the giant tree. Uh, now we have a fitting stage for all the captains and vice captains to yell their attacks and more or less be just completely ineffective. Uh, <laughs> and, and, like, as soon he creates a giant tree, and then as soon as the giant tree is there, you're like, okay, so this is going to be, like, the final, like, you know, this is going to be the stage of the final battle. But then there's a large black orb that just starts growing from the tree and starts swallowing everything out. Myri says, well, the thing is, Kasaka sucks. <laughs> like, if someone who was good, like, actually good, was using the king seal, they would be a fucking god. Like, nobody would be able to touch them. We would be completely powerless. Kasaka can't even use his Bankai. He's a piece of shit. So the the King Seal's power is just going berserk, and it's eventually going to destroy the world if we don't do anything. <laughs> I appreciate that the movie is just like, hey, that villain, he's a dumb piece of shit. Like, you don't need to worry about him. This'll be fine. Yeah, he is incompetently about to destroy the world. <laughs> he's a scrub. Yeah. Inside the the orb, Rangiku is hurt, holding back some heavy ice from falling on Hitsugaya, and they reunite with Renji, Rukia, and Ichigo. Yoroichi and Soifan just show up. Like, Yoroichi, what have you been doing this entire movie? It doesn't matter. It's fight time. <laughs> yeah, she kind of just shows up and then is like, all right, I'm here. Time to get my flashy fight sequence in. Uh, they explain that the Captain Commander is keeping the pocket dimension from growing further. And their goal is to go inside the castle, fuck it up, and also destroy its core. And now Ikaku's also here and Hollows show up, but it's okay because... Both of the ninjas, Yoroichi and Soifan, go into Shunko mode to royally fuck them up, like an actual blender. Yeah, don't worry. They they take care of that Kingdom Hearts nobody real quick. It does. It like it is it is such a fucking video game ass like enemy like flying around. It's like is it the one that's shooting stuff out of its butt? Kinda? Uh well no. there there is that, and then everyone splits into two groups. So you've got the Ichigo Renji and Rukia group, and then you've got the Hitsugaya Ikaku and Rangiku group and then it's they imply that these are the red blue girls but turned into fucking Kingdom Hearts monsters yes no one of the animators absolutely just played Kingdom Hearts 2 right before they had to start production on this movie and then was like fuck the nobodies are cool uh, there's some fighting. These monsters can regenerate. So can all the normal monsters. So can all the normal hollows. Uh, and then one of the castle's legs starts moving up. And it's like, oh no, it's not moving. Zaraki woke up and he's in a good mood. Which means <laughs> it's danger time. It's the danger zone for everyone else. I... It is really funny to just be like, you have Ikaku on top of this castle's leg. And it's like, oh my god, the castle's moving. No, that's my captain. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Hoorah, hoorah. I do like watching Kenpachi fall and like fight at the same time. That I, I will give the movie that. Mm -hmm. Once Ichigo and Rukia show up at the top of the castle, there's just a whole bunch of menos doing their thing. Just doing their thing, shooting some lasers. Uh Hitsugaya's crew is taking out 
I said Shinigami, but I assume I meant hollows. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, the hollows just keep regenerating. Uh, you know, this is a showcase of the characters of the show. I think this works better than the one that we had in the first movie. Uh, it's it's the same idea where, you know, we get one quick scene of each character just doing a thing. But I don't know. I, th- I think this... The way that it was done in this movie, where it was against literally nameless mooks, as opposed to guys who were su- who seemed to be supposed to be important but ended up being nameless mooks, <laughs> works better for me. I I do think it like looks better and is more entertaining. Um, I just it really does keep driving home the point that I just wish this that any of the Bleach movies that we have seen so far, namely these two would not just throw in every character for the sake of fan service, because I think it would be a much stronger movie without it. Yeah, like, we even, mm-hmm. we get a Kaku's Bankai, he, he's got a quick, like, Hitsugaya, Rangiku, don't tell anyone I've got Bankai! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get B- Byakuya's Bankai, specifically, like, the one with all the swords, and... Then we see like it's like cut outside to how the captain, yeah, the captain commander, and the other captains are like holding back the thing. Well, it's like okay, well, all four of them are using Bankai, so it's like here's Mayuri's Bankai, here's mm-hmm. Fox Mayan's Bankai. <laughs> I completely forgot his name. Here's Yamamoto's. Like, well, it's unclear what what Yamamoto's doing. He's just doing fire. We only know he's he does being fire. buff and doing fire. That's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically, all of them go okay. Rukia is going to like cut an opening in the Rukia and Renji are going to cut an opening in the hollows and then Ichigo because he's super fast can like run through that opening instantly and make it to the final boss and on Hitsugaya's side they're going to do the same thing and just assume that Ich- that Hitsugaya is fast enough to do it as well which he is they both do it and it's fine my favorite part yeah. of the like montage sequence is that it shows Mayuri's bankai for approximately half a second so you just see giant golden baby and that's it and then it's gone yeah it it's like oh god these guys <laughs> these fuckers this fucker's still here goddamn uh so both of them like punch through the thing ichigo goes hollow mode so he can like get through the hole in the enemy forces Hitsugaya, he like meets up, links up with Hitsugaya, uh, the two of them fly up towards the core, they're dodging various ice serpents that are being launched at them, you know, they're performing their quick, their Zenmis quick time events. Hitsugaya's dragon like launches from his sword and immobilizes Kusaka long enough for Ichigo to just stab it in the face and launch against a Gatencho through his head, which I thought was pretty good. <laughs> yes, it was, it was. And then, I also, again, I need to return to this from the very start of the conversation. This happens so fast. Yes, yeah. it does. Like, they're dodging stuff, and then you see the dragon, like, wrap around the other dragon, and you're like, okay, cool. Ichigo shows up, jumps in, stabs the head, shoots his thing, and then that's it. He's dead. He's fucking dead. Well, no, like, actually, I literally looked away for five seconds, and everyone's clapping. Yeah, like, the hollows are disintegrating, the castle's disintegrating, the, like, large black orb is, like, breaking apart, um, the ice dragon is just turning back into Kusaka, uh, Kusaka is still around, and there's, like, ice crystals that swing around, and Ichigo tells Toshiro, like, hey, this is your fight, my guy, like, finish things up, and the two of them just have a brief standoff, you know, like, the... They have a brief, like, samurai standoff, and then they charge at each other. 
uh, Kusaka relives the initial con the initial conflict. So we finally get the final piece of this flashback, where <laughs> when Hitsugaya was going, no, I don't want to fight Kusaka. Fuck that. I'll sooner give up Hiorinmaru. Kusaka went, I don't want to give up Hiorinmaru. Fucking die, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and then he attacked. I've got a cool sword! <laughs> and don't worry, and like, we also get Central 46 being like, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> they do do that. Yeah, and they then, circle up and start chanting. <laughs> Very funny. Uh, Hitsugaya just, like, blocks the blow and pushes him away. And that's what decides the match. Like, that's the point where they're like, wow, you lost control and you attacked. You suck. Okay, you lost. Um... Oh, you're a fucking scrub. Get out. <laughs> so, in the present, Kusaka also lost here. Like, he lost the standout. literally zero neutral game. Yes, Come on. exactly. <laughs> he just he just went in with two... He used his 5D a, a, and he shouldn't have done that, okay? He should have gone he, for like, the, the like 2K. Would have been fine. Yeah. Block this overhead, he screams. <laughs> As the overhead is incredibly easily blocked. It takes 75 frames to activate. Yeah. Yeah, so he calls Hitsugaya a genius. His soul is starting to fade away. Hitsugaya assures him that he'll always be his friend. I guess. This part was so confused. <laughs> I'll always be your friend. I needed to hear that. Did you? I mean, I guess he did think Hitsugaya was his friend the whole time. On, like... Yeah, a completely spurious assumption. Such a weird thing to assume. Worth noting that on the Bleach fandom wiki right here, um, they've got headings for, like, s different sections of this movie, and this section is titled Resolved Bonds. Yeah, uh, all the Shinigami stand down, the King Seal reforms itself and lands next to Ichigo, who's like, damn, so much damage and trouble caused by something so small. It's like if the Hogyoku never existed. Fuck. <laughs> Um, and he wonders aloud, mostly for Hitsugaya's benefit, if Kusaku had any regrets, because this time, they fought on their own terms, and they had a decisive fight with each other to settle their rivalry. And everybody knows, that's what this movie was really about, was they have to do the fight and not have it be taken over by the six scholars or whatever. And have Kusaka just get stabbed out of nowhere. Everybody knows that Hitsugai had to have this fight, and that's the real point of this movie, Bleach the Movie 2, the Diamond Dust Rebellion. Which which does this horrible thing where it reifies the entire fucked up thing of the Soul Society, where they said, we don't need two Soul Reapers. I guess they didn't. Yeah, I guess yeah. not. <laughs> so, a thing that I'd read... And I don't know if this is true. Maybe this is something that is expanded against, uh, expanded in the the one shot. But apparently, the way the whole the whole situation with, a, we come to this with the beginning of, you can't have for some reason you can't have two of the same, um, you can't have two of the same Zekapakuto. One of them has to die. That's just like taking as law. Uh, but once that part begins. Everything from that part on, everything with the Central 46 and forcing them to fight and everything, is to figure out which one of them is worthy of keeping the power that Hyorin Maru, like, offers them. Because they don't want that person to become a threat to Soul Society. By breaking and attacking Hitsugaya first, K 
Kusaka branded himself a scrub and a loser, and he was the one who was like, well, he's way too impulsive to have Hyorin Maru's power, and that's why they killed him. I guess? Like, I don't disagree, it's just... It's so fucking muddy. And and the thing, right, ultimately, is that, okay, so sure, that happens... And the arc of the entire movie brings it down to with this final clash, like, yeah, and they were right to do that. Yes. That kicked ass. <laughs> the the <laughs> thing that gets me here is that Ichigo in this, like, last, this last bit here is he, like, starts talking about, like, wow, some people in life just don't really get a fair shot. And, you know, nobody's going to be able to tell you how to get past this Hitsugaya. You're going to have to figure it out yourself. But, you know, Kusaka got a second chance. And, you know, he decided to come back here and settle this fight for himself. So, you know, I think that's really all that matters. <laughs> well, I started laughing when that happened. It was just like, are you kidding me, dude? He stayed true yeah, to his feelings. So, you know, even though he put us through a lot of trouble, maybe Kusaka wasn't that bad after all. Yeah, it's completely fucked. So, because the, the way that I interpreted this this bit with um, Ichigo at the end... Uh, I guess I should mention, after this, like, credits roll, we get some cutouts of the various Shinigami states after the fighting, and, like, that's kind of it. We, we, um, the credits yeah, play to... their theme song. The... They, got a, they got a song for this one, too. They got a song yeah. by Sambo Master, uh, who did mm-hmm. a Naruto opening, and it is the least fitting song for the ending of this movie <laughs> possible. <laughs> oh, yeah, and the Sambo Master Naruto opening fucks so it's hard. It's so good! Thank you! <laughs> you understand. Yeah, uh... So just this bit with Ichigo, like, because the thing he's saying is he's like, so in the when he first died, I I saw the flashback of the fight. He fucked up because he panicked and attacked first, and that's what made him lose. So he couldn't. So he's had regrets about that duel his entire unlife, and he was basically reincarnated to settle those regrets, which is a fucked up thing to say, Ichigo. Yeah. And now that he's been able to have, like, he's the one who decided to set the stage, and then Hitsugaya showed up and said, I'm not doing this for Soul Society, I'm doing this for myself, which means they had a proper duel with each other, they were able to, quote, settle this score, and now he can die without regrets and get reincarnated, I guess. Um, it, It's a fucked up thing to say. <laughs> and, and like, But I think that's what he's saying. This does get into, like, weird masculinity stuff, right? Like, because this is ostensibly, they were children then, and now they get to settle this, quote-unquote, as men. Mm-hmm. Um, but their framework for resolution of things as men is not different than it was. Or it is different in that they're choosing violence instead of being forced into it. And yes. is that what masculinity is? Is that what adulthood is? Is that what, like, men do? Is men are the people who choose violence? Fuck you. It's bleach. Of course that's what happens. Like, yeah, I, I, I am a, a te- I think it's still fucked up. I am a teensy bit more charitable in that I think it's not that it's that men choose violence. It's that men do violence that they choose. I guess that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like, it also does come back to the fact that hits a guy as a cop. Uh, well, and, well, and I was literally about to bring that up. Please yeah. go on. It, it, it comes back to the fact that Hitsugaya is a cop and Kusaka was also supposed to be a cop. So yes. when you when you really think about it, the real point of this movie is that 
cops do violence to each other. I don't know if that well, means anything, but that's what it's trying to say, I think. And you you get this tension, right, where, like, oh, so if if what men do is, like, they engage in the violence they choose, which I guess to an extent could be, like, expanded out to, like, they will doggedly follow the course of action uh, that they choose. Like, that is right for them. That is right to them. Mm. Framing the conversation that they've had about the Shinigami, like, literally when Ichigo shows up and, like, don't any of you question your orders? Yes. And they're all like, no, <laughs> we don't choose for ourselves. We simply follow someone else. It immediately complicates that reading. Um, but, again, I think that that's one of those things where um, it doesn't completely destroy or undermine that reading, but it's one of those things where texts are complicated, Especially texts like texts like Bleach are complicated in some very interesting ways, mm-hmm. and here that is them being like, the, forget about the Shinigami thing, right? They're kind of like, forget about the cop stuff, like that doesn't really matter here. But it's also deeply present through the whole thing, so it's very strange. Yeah, I I am reminded of the because um, I'm reminded of in the so during the Soul Society invasion. Soifan is absolutely on the side of fuck you top brass says this we do this um i will kill anyone who disagrees i will kill myself if they tell me to um whereas toshiro is it seems like these orders from top brass like aren't holding up hang on let me do an investigation (laughs) let me find out if they're actually alive i'm gonna break into their house and see if they're actually the ones giving us this orders (laughs) oh he is doing his little detective thing for sure i yeah. I think what gets me here is that when when this conversation between Ichigo and Hitsugaya happens at the end, like Hitsugaya is like upset obviously that he just killed his friend, like even though it was like the main conflict of the movie that they have to like settle this like properly, whatever. Uh is that the second that Ichigo says, "Well, he sure put us through a lot of trouble." Hitsugaya chuckles. And then Ichigo's like, all right, well, I guess we should head back. And then he calls Hitsugaya, like, just Toshiro. And then Hitsugaya's like, um, actually, call me Captain, because that's the Hitsugaya thing. And then the credits play, and it's like, where's the weight to this? Like, is there any weight to this? Because it sure seems like that just happened, and now we're all fine. And everything's just chill now. Yeah, it's just... Well, crisis over. We're good now. Joyful opening theme. Let's go. And again, it, it does this thing where it positions the end here, right, of... There's a lot of ways in which you can read what happened as being, like, an arc of senseless violence being senselessly committed that ends in a death that never needed to happen again. So, like, twice this this unnecessary death has happened. And then the movie posits, like, well, we have to make sense of the violence. Like, if we don't make sense of this, we can't continue to live. Like, we can't, like, go on as people. And so Ichigo has to be there to, like, insert this framework of understanding this violence which is, again, strange, because Ichigo is usually kind of the guy who questions the violence. 
Yeah, he's the one who literally showed up and said, guys, why are we fighting? <laughs> um, But he does that here. He like he like he has to put a bow on it, because if you don't put a bow on it, if you don't make this. Like a necessary thing that happened, if you don't turn this into something that is like meaningful and like ties together who they are as people. You can't return to the order that you had extricated yourself from. Like, this is necessary for Hitsugaya to return to being Captain Hitsugaya. And again, the movie's not critical of this. The movie thinks this kind of whips. Yeah, like, I think think in the end, the movie is definitely of the opinion that it wasn't an unjust situation because they were in a fucked up situation outside of their control and the government told them to kill each other and then murdered one of them. Uh, It was... They weren't able to properly have their manly duel and have the victor mm-hmm. like stand tall. 100%. That was the tragedy, and that's kind of like that's what the movie th- believes the tragedy to be that their their duel was interrupted, or w- they weren't able to properly start their duel, and thus their duel was interrupted, mm-hmm. and that was the tragedy. And that by a- by having their little duel at the end, despite the fact that at this point Hitsugaya is like still bleeding from his wound that he got like an hour ago and he's spent this entire movie fucking hobbling along with his scabbard as, as a walking stick um it's like time for a fair fight god i well yeah that evens the the odds because hitsugaya can use bankai and yeah. kusaka's a fucking scrub <laughs> i I, you know, I think this has really brought me back around on the movie, and I this, this is entirely a joke, don't you fucking worry. But uh, I think it's entirely brought me back around on the movie, because I'm realizing now that the entire point of the movie was to be like, Bleach is about one-on-one fighting. And, you know, that's what the rules are in Soul Society, is you can only have one-on-one fights. So It is a constant theme throughout <laughs> the works of Bleach. Yeah. So if you think about it, this movie is genius. Like they, they're, they're just like, no, we have to make them have a one-on-one fight. Otherwise, it's not good. And there you go. That's that's the point the movie was trying to make, was that one-on-one fights are the only way. Ikaku standing off in the distance being like, damn, I'm glad we could have a happy ending. Finally, a one-on-one fight. <laughs> Kenpachi, like, a single tear rolls down Kenpachi's face. (laughs) Uh, There is a post-credits scene. Yeah, so we get to Toshiro and Rangiku showing up at at the graveyard. uh, Presumably Kasaka's grave from the first time he died. And Hitsugaya puts down the broken hilt and blade of Kusaka's Hyorinmaru and says, See ya. And then he walks into the sunset with Rangiku, and their usual banter just, like, picks up again. I really yeah. hope that every They're single... fine, nothing has changed. Exactly. I really, really hope that every single Bleach movie has a post credit scene of some sort, or, like, ends with them at a graveyard. Just because I... <laughs> it's about the afterlife, get it? Like, they have to go to the graveyard. Yeah. It's the afterlife, it's fine. I am, like, seriously wondering if the next two movies will also have a post credit scene that ends at a graveyard. Uh, I do not remember enough about uh, Bleach the Movie 4 Hellverse. Uh, one thing I will say I feel like I remember about that movie, and, like, I, I, I could be entirely wrong, is I do think it somewhat resolves the issue of putting every single fucking character in the movie. 
I don't believe you. I, I also don't yeah. believe me, is the thing. Like, I vaguely because remember that, but I don't believe myself. I'm going to assume that it's it puts only, like, half of the Soul Society characters, but then also finds a way to, like, drop in half the Aaron Carr characters or whatever the fuck. I actually don't think... I think the only Aronkar character that is actually in the movie is Ulkiora. And it's it's only like I I don't think this is spoilers to say. It it's only in the movie because it opens on the fight between Ulkiora and Ichigo. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out in like six months or whatever. Yeah, whenever we get there. God. Eventually. Uh, but hey, we made it through, and it only took us two hours. Two hours and nine minutes, by my audacity. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so, like, I don't know. I I think I liked this m- movie better than the first one in some ways, but I also liked the first movie better in some ways. Like, like I yeah, think overall, I... if I had to rewatch either of them, I would definitely pick this one first. I think the art, like, the way that they they block some scenes and the way that they do the fight scenes is way more interesting for me in this movie than the other one. Uh, this mm. movie just is way more... And then the battle raged, and that's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can feel you there. Like, I honestly don't know which one I would choose to watch again. I feel like it was easier to talk about some of the politics of the first one, but even then, like, this discussion uncovered some things about, like, the dynamics at play in this movie that are, like, weird. Um, But, like, I don't know, the the fights are, like, fun to watch. Yeah. The lightning whip is super fucking cool. Yes. Um, which is, like, I think more than I can say, I don't remember any of the powers of the dudes from movie one, except for the guy who just had a cluster missile. Uh, well, what I well, remember here, this is the deciding factor for me. The first movie had a keto cannon, and there was a surprising lack <laughs> of any keto cannon in this movie. So I, I really feel like this one really missed missed the ball there. It, it dropped it. Hitsugaya's you know gone rogue. Prepare the keto <laughs> cannon. <laughs> You know what else the first movie had? It had a bunch of dudes whose power ended up being, doesn't matter what the fuck this power is, I'm gonna shoot white goo at you. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, white goo. I, I I think the first movie, like, in terms of, like, ones I would rewatch if I had to choose one, like, I, I think I would go with the first movie. And the only, the reasons I say this are because I feel like even though it was weak, I feel like the emotional through point was stronger in that movie. Um, cause like, I at least felt like any sense of sympathy for Senna in that movie. Um, and, <laughs> and that's where I differ from you. Cause like, I didn't like Senna as a character neither, very much at all. Neither of you liked Senna and that's okay. Like, that's totally okay. Like I'm, 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 oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I just, I think that that's interesting. Cause I think that you mentioned that and that puts me on, oh, I would rewatch Diamond Dust Rebellion because that didn't hit for me and it's it's interesting because like yeah it, it did hit for you and that's good um I th- but that definitely makes it like a deciding factor yes 100 percent. and like i i think the other thing for me is i felt like this movie lasted an eon like this movie moved at a snail's pace for me 
and the first one did not. It clocks in at barely over 90 minutes long. And it feels like three hours, at least. I watched The Batman this weekend, and it felt like it took less time. God. Yeah, yeah I, I also had, like, a, I had my second watch of The Batman this week, and... Yeah, it definitely felt a lot easier to go. Part of it is I was watching it with a group, so, you know, a group watch where you're applying commentary always e- makes it easier it, to go that's, through thing. That's also a part of it, because I watched the first Bleach movie and my first watch of the Batman were both group watches. Um, and then I watched my second watch of the Batman this weekend with my wife. Um, and so, like, there was more color commentary going on there. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. Damn. I... I, I feel left out here because I'm the only one here who hasn't seen the Batman and y'all have both seen it twice. Well, we're taking next week off, so that gives you a week to just go watch the Batman. I mean, maybe uh, one of my good friends is coming down and uh, we'll, we'll see because she already saw it. So who knows? We'll see. Time to watch. I will say I think the Batman is this is a pretentious piece of shit thing to say. But it's one of those movies that literally has a lot of little details to look at that you only notice on the second watch. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's it's fun. I would say the Batman's pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I, I'm excited to see despite, Robert Pattinson. Like, yeah. Uh, it doesn't take itself as seriously. As, it understands uh, that it can take itself not seriously. That's exciting. Exactly. That's the, I think that's the important difference for me. Is something it understands right. that it doesn't have to be serious, and something that's like incredibly critical to that uh, is the way he moves as Batman. Every time he's moving through a scene, he has the body language of a teenager who's storming off back to their room. <laughs> yeah, like Patton said, said, "Hey, he's locked himself in his trailer and played Shadow the Hedgehog for like six hours to prepare to play Batman," and. <laughs> It's great. It works. That, that's it's exciting. Good, yeah, that's really it, exciting. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's compelling in in that it's not taking itself too seriously. In that they recognize this guy's kind of a fucking goofball who's obsessed with the idea of being cool, um, and that makes him kind of a dork. I'm excited as hell for this now. I, I'm gonna have to watch it when I have three hours to spare. Yeah, that's the problem in it. Yeah, <laughs> is it? Just because I'm working, like, a fuck ton of overtime this next week, and then, like, good friends coming down. So it's going to be a busy month, but we'll, we'll, we'll get through. We'll get through. We'll figure it out. Uh, but, yeah, no, that... <laughs> to save us from talking about The Batman for the next year, uh, not to say that I'm not enjoying it, uh, we should probably close out the show. Uh, we have... We are taking next week off, as Sam mentioned, uh, just because I I got shit going on. Uh, and in general, like I kind of mentioned, it would probably be healthy for us to take a break, like a week-long break, after every season, just so we don't get like super burnt out on this. Not that I think we are, just I think it's healthy. Uh, but Oh, it's better to do it before the burnout shows up, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 100%. Because once the burnout shows up, you have to start working it off. Yes. Who, who knows what manner of horrible bleach filler awaits us in the future? Yeah. Better to send the precedent now. 
Yeah, like, we've got a season left until a filler arc, and uh, I know nothing about that filler arc except its opening bops. So, yeah. Oh, is it Chubura? It is Chubura. I love that song so much. It's so good. Uh, there on the on the concept covers album. Uh, I believe that song is sung by Uryu's voice actor. Uh, oh, interesting. Which is really really cool. Uh, I'm I'm excited to get there. But um, yeah, that is that's my favorite Bleach OP from a season I never watched. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times, good times. What well, I'm excited to get there. Uh, alas. You can find the show at BleachCast. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Paws. And you can find me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. You can find me on Twitter at M-O-N-K-I-P-I-Q-U-I-N-N. That's Monkey Pie Quinn. We've done it. We've completed the second Bleach movie. I hope y'all have a great week. I hope y'all enjoy this extended episode and extended look into whatever the hell this movie was. And stay cool, Chads. Hacking into the great spiritual libraries is nothing to me. 